I want us to press into this today. Um, and I do just want to say, I'm trying to really be sensitive to the Lord. I, I don't want to just give you my best message, you know. And I do feel, this morning as I was praying, I felt the Lord was prompting me with this. And I just want to encourage you to think about this. There's a congregational assignment that we have together as a family. And it is more than just the morning of worship, isn't it? It's about a family assignment together. In fact, it's about a legacy assignment. Some of you have been a part of this church long before I arrived, and I have been around here now for 29 years. Uh, there's a legacy assignment that existed in this house before I arrived. There was a legacy assignment that existed in this house before any of you arrived. And how many of you know there's a legacy assignment that will exist long after all of us are gone? And if we do this thing right, then we actually empower the next generation to possess a ministry expression that remains even beyond our own lives. I'm saying this, the love of Jesus is going to be shared beyond our lives as a part of our expression of the legacy of Jesus as a family. So that's why our worship is so important. That's why our serving is so important. That's why our giving is so important. That's why ultimately, at the centerpiece of all, our loving is so important. And so I believe God wants to awaken some things in us as we're going to talk about what it is to be a fully loving family. We're nearing Easter. It's going to be a big Sunday where people are looking for places to go uh, to church. We are doing a grand opening the Sunday before Easter for our kids' ministry area. All that will be in place. Uh, we're going to have a, a business mingle, morning mingle that week in the lobby celebrating the grand opening the week before Easter. Um, this Tuesday, we're, we have a special leadership session. I would invite all of you, if you can make it right here in the auditorium, from 8 to 9. I know it's work day time, but we have a, a guest coming in from Louisiana who's going to be leading 6 o'clock prayer that morning and then doing a leadership session. And, um, and we're just, we build buildings just why? So we can build people. That's why we want to do what we do. And so I invite you, if you're able to be here, come join in, and I believe it'll be a rich morning uh, as we continue to move forward with all God's called us to. And as you then sense the direction of the people that perhaps you've been praying for, uh, make sure you're extending invitations for them because you, hit, you never know somebody in your reach may be looking for a place to show up on Easter and it could very well change their life. We might be standing with them a couple of years later when they're dedicating a baby saying, you know what, God put our family back together again. How many of you know? And Tim and Esther are here because they were invited to come to church. So um, it's amazing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So our revelation in this season of, of, of the year 2019 it really is about understanding how we are fully known by God. And though we are fully known, there's something terrifying about being fully known. But there's something so wonderful about being fully loved. But it's our fear of being fully known that keeps us from our pursuit of being fully loved. And insecurity and dysfunction many times breeds so many negative things in our lives. And we are truly now, the religious circles of our day don't perpetuate this very well, and so we need to understand it, and this is going to be our total emphasis as we step into Easter and starting to walk in that revelation in a greater capacity. But religious circles of our day don't perpetuate very well that we're fully known and fully loved. And what we normally do is we kind of say, yeah, you're fully loved, but you need to do this, you need to not do that. And we almost make God's love contingent upon our behavior, and nothing is further from the truth. That's Phariseeism, not faith. 
I'd like a little more rousing response of amen to a declaration like that in this house where we've been set free from that kind of nonsense bondage. Come on. We're not going to give in to that idea. And so we're going we're to press into a greater revelation of understanding. Once we actually see God fully knows us and God fully loves us, that then activates something within us to actually be fully loving to others. How many of you know it is your fear that God's not happy with you that makes you unhappy with other people? It's the lack of the ability to receive God's love that keeps you from releasing that love to the world around you. In fact, if I feel bad about the way God feels about me, it makes me feel better if I can feel bad about you because at least I'm better than you even if I'm not good enough for God. And all of that is a lie. And so God wants us to move beyond that, and that I believe is what he wants to unlock within this season between now and Easter is that we are fully loved Uh, Fully known, we're fully loved, therefore we can become fully loving people as a fully loving family. So I want you to think in terms of family. Uh, You know, my wife and my daughters, they're my family, truth. Uh, My mom, my dad too, I sometimes embarrassed to admit that (laughs) we're family, But there's also a bigger family than just the natural family, right? There's a spiritual family. And there are spiritual sons and daughters that Tracy and I have in our lives. There's a spiritual father in our lives. And so I want you, as we're talking about family, you might be sitting here uh, and you're single, but I want you to understand this applies to you because you have family. God brought you in. He's the father to the fatherless, which is a beautiful thing because that means even if you don't have a father, he uses his family to father you correctly so that every one of us in the room are left without dysfunction. Maybe you had a father who was an unloving father. I want you to know God will displace that vacuum by introducing you to loving fathers in the house who will embrace you and love you and encourage you well. This is how God uses his family. It's amazing. So I want us to understand that as we're thinking about family. And then I want you to think in those broadened terms as I give you this key verse. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families. Remember the Lord who's great and awesome and fight for your families. Your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. Fight for your families. I want to awaken your fight today. I'm glad, you know, I I joke and tease with my dad uh, over to the right here next to my mom. And, and, uh, you know, they got married and, and weren't serving God. And my dad, he was like, far from serving God, and I've shared a little of these stories, but like he would kind of chase people off who would come around trying to witness at the house, and, and uh, he would try to embarrass them and humiliate them, and, and probably a little bit like I'm embarrassing him right now, so you, you earned it, buddy. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, honestly, like my mom stood in the gap and believed she fought for her family. She watched as I would come home 
and go to my drug area in my bedroom and get out drugs and leave on a Friday night. And she was holding Chris, my younger brother, who's 17 years younger than I am, by the way. She was holding Chris in a rocking chair, patting him on the back one night. As I walked out, she knew I had come home and I was walking out with drugs to go party. And she later told me, when I came to know Christ, she later told me I was sitting in that chair, rocking and, and patting my baby boy on the back, watching you walk out the door, thinking, it's not supposed to be like this. Maybe you're in a family situation today that you would describe it, it's not supposed to be like this. And I want to say, fight! Fight for your family! Don't give in! Don't back away! Fight for your family! Press in and believe! God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that you can ask or imagine. Fight for your family. I want to awaken the fight that God's placed within you so that you will discover everything God intends for your family to be. Some of the most seemingly unreachable people that you can imagine are actually some of the greatest powerhouses waiting to be awakened by your love. So don't you be writing anybody off. When I was in college, I, I, I went into this workout, and, 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 and these guys, they were two bodybuilders, and they were back in the corner, and, and they would scream and yell, and when they would bench press, the bar would bend, and and, you know, they would squat and, like, wrap their knees so their knee joints didn't blow out. And, and when they would stand up the bar, you know, blah, blah. And, and, and I was over there, you know, I was working out doing my curls, whoop, 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 you know, my little bitty plates on there. And, and, and those guys, they would be like in each other's, ah, push it, just 37 more reps. You know, I mean, just crazy. Like, you know, they would shave the hair off their body, and they would come in dressed very inappropriately and, you know, in, in the mirror, like, and, and, and I'm over there like, I am, I am leaving this place. And the Holy Spirit began to tell me, go and witness to those guys. And I'm like, they will like bite me in half if I tell them about, gee, I am not going over there. I literally changed the time I went to the gym so that I would not see these two beasts that God was asking me to minister to. And the week I changed the time I went to the gym, they had a disruption in their schedule. <laughs> God has a sense of humor. And I walk in at my own time, and I'm thinking, great, I don't hear any screaming. I mean, it is like going to be a nice workout. And I start working out, and no kidding, here they come walking in the door, and I'm just like, Okay, fine, God. And that old hymn, this will be the day that I die, starts going through my mind as I'm watching, you know. So I go, I go back there and I start ministering to them and just say, look, I don't know what you guys believe, but I felt like God was actually asking me to come and tell you that he loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And I told him I didn't want to because you guys are so big and scary. <laughs> I mean, I was just being honest. But I said, I left that workout time to come to a different workout time, and here you are. And they started laughing, and they said why they had a different workout time. And the, the biggest, meanest guy that I thought for sure was not, I was kind of aiming my direction toward the guy with the bigger smile. But the meanest guy, he said, uh, he kind of stepped in, and I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> he kind of stepped in, and he goes, 
One of my best friends called me last night, and he told me, God has a plan for my life, and that God loves me. And that guy gave his life to Jesus. He and I later became roommates. He's a crazy, radical, evangelistic guy. I watched him. I know you don't, this like sounds like something out of the Bible. I watched him fast and pray for 40 days as my roommate. I watched him not eat for 40 days uh, a year after he came to Christ because he was so hungry for something more. It, it changed my life to know this guy. Who is it that God's entrusting to your care? Because when God starts to awaken something within you, courage and boldness and all those things, it's not something you have to muster up, it's just obedience. I'm just willing to do what God's asking me to do even if it costs me something. That's what this is about, fight. Fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes, for the people God's entrusted to your care. Exodus 3, 14. I want to read through these portions of Scripture just to lay groundwork for these weeks that we're going to spend in this together. These are such powerful revelations behind this. If you'll listen to more than just a verse that I splash out to give you a biblical idea. Let's study the Bible. How about that? Let's go deeper in the nature of God as revealed in Scripture. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Are you, are you humbled before him? From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. You have an inner man and you have an outer man, and they are in conflict with each other. God is strengthening you through your inner being today so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love. Would everybody please say love? So significant. Let love drive our behavior. That we would be rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Now this is this is the powerhouse kingpin revelation you need to get if we're going to really be fully loving families. That we would know the, verse 19, we would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. How many of you ever feel like you're somewhat empty in life? Can I just see your hands? Let's just be honest. Sometimes there's seasons of emptiness. And then sometimes you feel half full. How many of you ever feel half full? There's nothing more frustrating than a half full Christian trying to overflow. You ever heard that? So half full, like I'm half full trying to do the best I can. And then if I can just be full, listen, if I can just be full, now I, I want you to understand this is not just about being full. This is about being filled with all the fullness of God. Okay, that's filled so much you can't contain it and God himself begins to overflow out of your life. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not about you pretending to be loving when you're, you're having a bad attitude. It's about your admitting that you're having a bad attitude. And that's dying to yourself so that Jesus can live through your surrendered available life. It's going up to, to two guys in the gym for me in that moment and not, not telling them, uh, listen, I'm a man of God and I serve Jesus, the Lord of the Bible. And it's, it's not that sort of thing at all. It's me going up and saying, I really don't want to be having this conversation right now, but God's making me because he loves you. Amen. Do you understand that's the gospel of Jesus Christ? 
what we have done is created a sense of presentation that we have labeled or, or, or saddled people with, and it only fuels the feeling of inadequacy that already exists within our soul when we're not as nice as what the preacher tells us we ought to be. This is not about you pretending that you're nicer than you are. This is about you surrendering to the one who's nicer than everybody in this room combined. His name is Jesus. He is alive. And when we die to ourselves, come on, that's when he begins to live through our surrendered available life. That's overflowing. See, God doesn't merely, first blank on your card, God doesn't merely conquer our emptiness. He fills us with all the fullness of God so he can overflow from our lives into the lives of those around us. And I want to give you one more verse. I haven't started preaching my sermon yet. I want to give you one more verse that is the most prayed verse of my life particularly in the last three years. And I want to invite you to memorize it, pray it, rehearse it, take a a walk during the day, maybe fast a meal, and just pray this verse as you walk for 30 or 40 minutes, just seeking God and letting this come alive in you. It's Philippians 3.10, the Amplified. For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. I pray that verse all the time. I pray it daily in my house, and I I take it into an hour. I I say, Tracy and I, Faith and Lexi, our determined purpose is that we may know him, that we may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. I want that. I pray that over you. I begin to pray it over our church family. Lord God, I thank you that our determined purpose as a church family is that we may know you, that we may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with you. I want to awaken a fight within you on a level that actually defeats the enemy. And this is what will defeat the enemy. I'm going to talk to you next week about the spiritual atmosphere of your life, of your heart, of your home. And we're going to go into this a lot more. But today I want to introduce you to the idea of The biblical family. Do you have a biblical family? It's quite a challenging question that kind of comes from many uh, many different angles when, when you think about it. Do you... How many of you How many of you want a biblical family? Can I just see? Biblical family. The funny thing is, like when we're thinking about a biblical family, which one do you want to be like? Because, like, let's just start at the beginning. Adam and Eve, sibling homicide. Mm. Yeah, let's move on. Let's don't, let's don't dwell there very long. Let's go to the chief father of all promise, Abraham, mighty Abraham, Abraham and Sarah. A man who wound up having sex with his wife's maid. Kind of an Arnold Schwarzenegger ancient vibe going on there. I don't know, but that whole scenario, I mean, that's not a, that's not a very good uh, family dynamic when you really evaluate that. Okay, let, let's move on to more of a sheer thing. How about this mighty young man who slew Goliath and now became a mighty king? Yes, David, we can count on David, who lied, committed adultery, and conspiracy to murder, and then his children lied, committed adultery, and murdered. Okay, okay, let's, let's move past all this and just go to the sheer thing. Let's talk about the biblical family of Jesus. 
Did you know the people I'm talking to you about are the family of Jesus? These are his grandparents. In fact, one of his grandparents, her name's Rahab. You ever heard about her? I wonder if Jesus ever sat around and reminisced. Yeah, my grandma Rahab, she's a hooker. <laughs> I mean, this, this is wild to me, and it's one of my favorite, favorite explorations of Scripture. When we go into the New Testament and we look at the first book of the Bible in the New Testament, the book of Matthew, we see every person with every ounce of dirty laundry listed in a succinct progression as the lineage of the Messiah. And we look at that progression of all those people, and it just is this amazing, crazy perspective of how God reveals his dirty laundry right up front of all of his family, and he does so on purpose so you and I will feel right at home. Anybody have an amen? How many of you have an embarrassing family member? I love asking this question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> See, many of you raised your hand, but most of you did not raise your hand. If you did not raise your hand, maybe you are the embarrassing family member. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 1.27, God chose the foolish things of the world. Everybody shout foolish. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Did he choose the foolish or the wise? He chose the foolish. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Did he choose the strong or did he choose the weak? God uses the foolish and God uses the weak. God uses the foolish and God uses the weak. Follow me on this because religion will try to talk you in to presenting wisdom and strength and that's not even what God uses. God uses the foolish to confound the wise and the weak to shame the strong. God uses the foolish and the weak, but we keep trying to pretend like we're strong and wise. God uses the foolish and the weak, but we're talked into trying to pretend like we're strong and wise. Why don't you stop trying to be something you're not, learn to relax and be who you are, and let God be everything God wants to be through your surrendered available life. Somebody shout! Come on! I love this portion of scripture because I was preaching in a church one time and a lady came up to me and she said, oh, well, I was a young guy. Oh, well, I heard you speak. I thought of this verse and she gave me the, this verse. And I was thinking, you know, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. You know, I, I, what, was the, what was the verse she's talking? And I went home later and I read it and like, she just said I was foolish and dumb. That's what she said. <laughs> but that's what God uses. In fact, that word foolish, I love this word. In the Greek language, that word is moros. That word translates foolish. That word translates morons. God's looking for morons to do something amazing. In the world. Just look at your neighbor and say, you are qualified. Just tell them, you are so qualified. Qualification abounds in your life, my friend. 
So how many of you don't have much to work with? Let's be honest, you don't have much to work with. Maybe you feel like you don't have much to work with. Let me just remind you, in the beginning, God proved that even when he didn't have anything to work with, he created everything. It's, it's your next blank. Even if you don't have much to work with, realize God showed us in the beginning he could create something out of nothing. How amazing is that? And then Jesus shows up on the scene and he's like, got 5,000 hungry people. What kind of food do we have to feed these people and like little kid and his lunch? And he uses that impossible portion to do an amazing supernatural thing. You know what I, what I have found? It's not on your blank, but it probably should be. You need to think about it, perhaps write it down and just rehearse this this week. Jesus is the master. He is the master at doing more than we thought he could with less than we thought he needed. We feel like he needs so much more than what we have, and he's, not, he's never asking you for what you don't have. I'll say it again. He, Jesus is the master at doing more than you thought he could with less than you ever thought he needed. He just needs a little bit to work with. There is no perfect family. There is no perfect family. Not even in the Bible. There is no perfect family. Biblical families are not blueprints for how we ought to be. Biblical families are reminders that we're all fallen people in need of redemption and grace. Isn't that beautiful? How many of you feel somewhat off the hook from the message you've just heard? Like, that's liberating. Hold your hand up if you feel. This is, this is liberating. Like, I feel a lot less pressure right now. Now listen. Translate that. Listen carefully. Translate that into action. Let other people off the hook by not presenting some state of perfection that isn't even real in the way that you allow others to see your life. God set that example for us as we look at it in Scripture, and that's what makes you feel liberated. It's not pretending you're strong and wise that will liberate the people around you. It's admitting you're weak and not wise, yet God still has a wonderful plan. Isn't that fantastic? I mean, he just, he's amazing. So I want to ask you to do something this week. I want to ask you to go to war for your family. I don't want you just to show up here. You know, I, I say often, uh, going to church should not be like going to the movies where we keep you entertained enough to bring you back. Going to, the, going to church should be more like going to the gym where you engage your faith and you work and you walk out of here stronger, strengthened for the journey. And so I want to ask you to accept a commission of assignment this week. I recently had a teenage girl reach out to me. And it was really interesting having the conversation. She said, uh, you know, my parents found these messages that you did online years ago. So you want to date my daughter. And they made me watch them. And so I was waiting, you know, like what she was going to say. And this is what she said. I think they really changed my life. This is a teenage girl. And I want to give you an idea of what's in those. If you'll go to our blog, 
this week. You'll find those messages, and I want to commission you to at least watch the first one. If you want to watch, there are just two. If you want to watch both of them, particularly if you have teenagers or uh, kids that are old enough to understand the concept of dating, then I want to encourage you, uh, go to the blog and hit that link and watch these messages. And I'll give you a concept of, of what's behind the idea that you'll find there. Which verse is correct? I'm going to read this verse two different ways. One is actually the Bible, and one is not. Think about love. How much do you love the person that you're in love with? Genesis 29, 20, and Jacob worked for seven years. This is when Jacob was told he couldn't have Rachel unless he spent seven more years working for her. And he loved her with all of his heart. Now he has to work seven more years. Does the Bible say, and Jacob worked for seven years for Rachel, and they seemed like just a few days because of his love for her, or does the Bible say, Jacob worked for seven years for Rachel, and they seemed like 40 years because of his love for her? And most people in our society would say, surely the answer is 40 years, because if you love someone, you can't stand not being with them. But that's not love, that's infatuation. What the Bible actually says is it seemed like just a few days because his love was so deep for her that no sacrifice was too great. Do you understand? We have settled for something less than love in our society. We've embraced a dating concept that's not even biblical. And if you want to get your head, uh, you know, challenge your mind, set challenge, then I encourage you to watch this with your kids this week. If your parents, this is one of those things that I put online. And I've told my girls, any boy that ever wants to date my girls, they're going to watch these messages and we're going to have a conversation about those things. And the second one is all about friendship. The basis of any great marriage is friendship. And we bypass friendship in the society in which we live. I'm not trying to preach those messages, but I want to challenge you. Wherever you are in your family dynamic, maybe you're going to have grandkids coming into that space, or you're not, you don't have any kids yet, but you want to get this concept right. I want to challenge you this week as your action point. Watch at least that first message and have a conversation with somebody about the concept that I share in that in love and infatuation. been a, a pretty hearty morning. I've had so many people telling me uh, last week was such a powerful morning with Pastor Chris. I so appreciate his gift. He and Jana are wonderful, wonderful uh, leaders in our community and in our church. I'm so thankful that when we show up here, it's not about showing up to chase after a speaker, but to encounter the Savior. And would you just take a moment right now and let's join together and just encounter the Savior. We just want to encounter you, Lord. We sense that we've heard something that's from your heart. And I pray that you would help us to process that correctly in a place of conversation with God Almighty. We would be men and women of the Spirit. Men and women who hear the voice of God. Men and women who come face to face knowing you more intimately and progressively every day that we live helping others to do the same. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's just stand in his presence with expectation in this moment. Some of you as you stand, perhaps healing will happen in your body. Some of you as you stand, chains will just break off. But we just stand in the presence of God where the enemy can no longer prevail. We stand with clarity. Addictions and bondages broken in the name of Jesus. Lord, we just stand in this posture, in this place of understanding that you have called us not to present something about you, but to surrender completely to you so that your love and your life and your power can be demonstrated to our world as we overflow with the fullness of God out of who we are. Thank you, Lord Jesus.